I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live. Please pay attention to our warning graphic. It states that the Retro Rogues Live show is intended for an adult audience and not intended for children under the age of 13. Parental discretion is advised. So I want to welcome you tonight to tonight's show. On tonight's uh, agenda, we're going to have a special announcement. We're going to be talking about Quantum Leap comic books, some Star Wars droids action figures, Chris Pratt is Super Mario. What? Anyhow, that and so much more on tonight's episode of the Retro Rogues Live. My name is Dave Beatty. I'm one of your hosts for nearly the last 30 years. I've been a professional illustrator and graphic designer. Worked on a lot of fun things that some people have heard of, such as Batman Incorporated, Superboy and Legion of Superheroes, and even Justice League of America. That's right. I changed it up just for tonight, but it's the same stuff. Anyhow, enough about that. I want to welcome back my great co-host. This is Mr. Eric Alexander. Eric, please tell the folks I'll be watching or listening at home some of the fun things you have worked on as a creative professional. Yes, hello, everyone. I am Eric Alexander, also known as Bass God 14. That's Bass God 14, not Bass God. That's Bass God. Look at Bass Guitar. And I am the Chief Financial Officer of Bad Bob Productions, which is a film production company located in Arizona. Currently, I'm the executive producer on a film called Staycation, which has been filming on location in California and via Zoom all over the world. Very cool, very cool. So for because of tonight's uh, special nature of this announcement, um, we might be uh, kind of a little, little bit uh, out of format for this evening. Um, so um, yeah, do... we, we might we might even be having uh, a guest because yes. uh, we want to acknowledge, of course, that Orville Nation is in the house and he may be coming Hi, on uh, to talk a little bit about our, our special announcement. And if he's not able to come on, we totally understand, PJ. Uh, but we thought it might be fun. It's been a while since we actually uh, were on the air together. Uh, I, I was actually uh, kind of hoping I might have been able to be on his show. Uh, they were talking about Norm MacDonald. And, of course, we talked about Norm MacDonald last week. And we do have a clip available on YouTube, if anybody's interested, uh, where we, we did uh, give our thoughts on Norm MacDonald. So cool stuff going on at, uh, at uh, you know with PJ and Orville Nation. It's not just Orville stuff, obviously. Uh, they, they cover all sorts of great stuff on that show. And then I also did want to acknowledge from Facebook that uh, Asia's in the house. She says, Fairy Black Mother in the house. So great to see Asia. Hi, Asia. All right. Very cool. Um, now, um, yeah, we talked about, I think, a couple episodes ago. I, I still think it would be fun because one of the things that on Orville Nation they do talk about, actually, is they do talk about Stargate. And I threatened to come on the show and, and actually probably, you know, draw raw. Cause I, I love raw from the original Stargate movie while they actually talk about Stargate. They still very, very much want to do that. Um, but uh, we haven't coordinated that just yet because I just don't get on Twitter that much. And that's where I normally talk to PJ. So. Yeah. That's We were just talking about that uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to have to, to rectify that, especially yeah, got to fix it. Uh, when it comes to our special announcement and, promoting all that good stuff so because we're definitely going to need to be promoting the the heck out of it <laughs> so for sure for sure no doubt about that um did you want to go ahead and, and get into why why we were just doing the quantum leap comics the the reason yeah for that? yeah let me let me set it up here just real quick everyone bear with me while i attempt to <clears throat> do this theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime dr sam beckett stepped into the quantum leap accelerator and vanished he woke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. 
His only guide in this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong and hoping with each leap that his next one will be the leap home. All right, there you go, everybody. I kind of screwed that up, but I tried. No, to... you did a great job there, man. Great <laughs> job. It takes me back. It takes me back. I am a Quantum Leap fan. I am too. And uh, this was this is a Hollywood reporter was uh, recently did an article here. This is dated September 20th, so fairly recent. Title reads, Scott Bakula says, significant conversations, quote unquote, occurring about a Quantum Leap reboot. The original sci-fi series ran at NBC for five seasons from March 1989 through May 1993. Interesting story, by the way, is I remember uh, Russ Emanuel, who is the director of Staycation and also the film Routine uh, that Dave did with him. And uh, he talked to me about the year that Scott Bakula was at Star Trek Vegas. And he said all the questions were about Quantum Leap. There was like hardly any Enterprise questions at all. And this is at a Star Trek convention. So I just thought that was interesting and something to put out there. I always thought that was a really interesting story that, uh, that Russ had, had, had relayed to me. But um, the article goes on to say, Quantum Leap fans may be in for another jump. As Scott Bakula said, it talks are underway for a possible re reboot of the iconic sci-fi TV series. A guest Monday on Bob Saget's podcast, Bakula did not tip his hand as to what specifically he knows, but said there was a chance the series, which ran NBC for five seasons, could be brought back. The, this is the quote. He says, there's very significant conversations about it right now going on, said Bakula. And he says, I don't know what it would be. I don't know who would have it. The rights were a mess for years. I don't know if they even sorted. I don't know if it's if, it, if they're even sorted out now. That's always been the biggest complication. It says Universal TV produced the original series, and you know I, I haven't been very active on Peacock. But do you know uh, off the top of your top of your head, Dave, if Quantum Leap is available on Peacock? I I don't know. Um, I haven't. I really haven't spent that much time exploring uh, the Peacock app or the service, for that matter. And to be honest, I own every single season of Quantum Leap on DVD. And normally, when it's on, it's on in the studio. So, um, you know that that's usually the way that I watch Quantum Leap. I, I haven't searched it out on anything because I own every episode. So, you know, it, it's funny because. Um... I generally watch it on Comet. I've, I've talked about Comet before. That that's an over-the-air, like you know, sub-digital channel. And um, I've actually watched. They do three episodes of Quantum Leap, like every weekday. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, if I want my Quantum Leap fix, that's where I go. But I would just, it was just interesting in that the context of the rights thing. I think it might be on 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 Peacock. So you know, I, I would assume Universal pretty much owns it. it. Says Bakula noted that he had conversations over the years with creator Donald P. Uh, Belisario about the show returning. And he would always say, I can't write it without thinking of you and Dean Stockwell. I said, just think about me and Dean and write your show. <laughs> Get it out there. If you have an idea, just write it. I'm sure it will be great. Bacula recalled. I don't know what the idea would be if we did. 
Um, it says, joking that co-star Stockwell might cost too much to return. <laughs> Bakula noted he gets asked about making another leap all the time. And uh, apparently there was actually a link to the to the uh, the Bob Saget show there. So you can actually see the interview if you want. So um, I think that this is this is interesting news. I mean, it's 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 kind of in the realm of rumor, but it does confirm the fact that Scott Bakula is interested in doing this. Um, so we know that. Hey, Mots is in the house. He says you can watch it on NBC. Uh, I assume you mean the NBC app. Uh, mods is what you're talking about, which is it's kind of interesting. The NBC app versus Peacock sometimes, because I think like for one I, one that I can think of is I think like Buck Rogers is on the NBC app, but it's not on Peacock. I think Battlestar might be one too. It's, it's there's some weird things with, with that. I don't I don't know why they keep the NBC app. <laughs> you know what I mean when they have Peacock? Why don't they just throw everything on there? Why are you competing with yourself? You know what I mean? I, I don't know if you've if you've seen that day, but there are some certain. Uh, universal shows that are on the NBC app, but they're not on Peacock. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that. Right, and, and I, vice I've, versa, you know. My my only thought is that it might have something to do with some weird, you know, advertising contract or something that's that's attached with that particular, you know, business interest. And therefore those shows have to stay on there because of some agreement with something. I don't know what, you know, like some. Yeah, that, that, that does happen. Exist, there so. are old agreements that, that obviously yeah. have, you know, that's happened obviously with Netflix, right? Where, where Disney was trying to get back some of their Marvel content and stuff like that for the longest time. And it was stuck on Netflix. So yeah, that, that does yeah. happen. But Netflix is like a completely different company. Whereas, you know, NBC app and Peacock app, they both belong to the same company. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, you should right. be able to make this work. You know, you should be able to get the right hand and the left hand and know what's going on and, and, and work together. You know what I mean? It's your company, but they right. do some weird things, you know, some of these big corporate companies. Uh, Asia Menson, she says, I feel about enterprise uh, the way you feel about Picard. <laughs> and you know what? I do actually have uh, a lot of problems with Enterprise. Uh, Scott Bakula ain't one of them. I'll tell you that. I think the cast is actually very good on Enterprise. Um, pretty much, pretty much to a to a person. You know what I mean? I, I don't really have an issue with anybody on the cast. But what I I've talked about this before. What I have issues with is when you mess up the lore and the continuity. And there was just I remember watching the very first episode, the pilot, and I was like this doesn't seem to fit, you know what I mean, with being a prequel to to uh, Star Trek. One of the biggest things that goes through my head is that, they, you know, why did they already have phasers and stuff like that? Because in the Romulan War, which doesn't happen until after Enterprise, in fact, I think they were talking about possibly doing it in the fifth season, getting into the Romulan War, they use nuclear weapons, folks. And, and if, you're, if you're a Trekkie, you know that, you know what I mean? They use nuclear weapons. And I always thought, especially since they were on around the same time, and of course, you know, Ronald D. Moore was running, uh, you know, Battlestar Galactica, his reboot. He did it right. And, and, I, and I've even heard that that was appointed commentary at Enterprise. That this is the way the tech is, should be in Enterprise. You know what I mean? Like it is in Battlestar Galactica. You know, it should be much more analog. Um, and, you know, there shouldn't be shields. You know, that was one thing. It's like they didn't have shields, but they would polarize the hull. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? You know what I mean? That's just a, a cheap cop out that you, you still have some sort of shielding. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I, I felt that that was really what, what messed up uh, what Enterprise was. They tried to say it was so different, if you remember, that it didn't have Star Trek in the name. It was actually just called Enterprise, I think, for the first two seasons because it was supposed to be so different. 
And then it wasn't. They had phasers. They had transporters. They had everything, you know, that they have in every other Star Trek. And um, I, I, I will mention this, too. I've said this on the air before, Dave, and I, I don't know how you feel about this. Um, I'm one of the, the three timelines person that feels that you can fix all this. You, in other words, you can fix, you know, even uh, discovery and all that kind of stuff by basically saying that um, first contact affected the timeline. And that's why Enterprise doesn't fit, you know, with original Star Trek. And that's why Discovery doesn't fit with original Star Trek is the timeline was corrupted. So we actually have three timelines, the, the original Kelvin and um, I would call it the uh, first contact timeline, if you will. Uh, that would be a way to fix it. But, but it was something that I resented because I remember the hype for the show. And it seems like they just threw away so much of that stuff of, of what would have made it different and special. You know what I mean? Um, well, I've stated before on the show that I don't hate Enterprise. Um, actually, um, you know, the, the, you know, a after Picard, I and unfortunately Asia, um, I'm gonna have to say that I would probably watch uh, Enterprise before I would watch Picard again. <laughs> um, uh, I would I would say that immediately. I, 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 I often watch Enterprise I, when it's on when it's on the TV. Yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. It's like it to me. To me, it's like the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. It's like a, a Star Trek type story that, that maybe sits out of continuity in its own little pocket universe. It's like an Elseworlds story, you know. Well, what if this series of events had happened instead, you know? So that's how I personally look at um, Enterprise. And and like there's a lot of episodes of Enterprise I quite liked. I love the Mirror Mirror Universe episodes of Enterprise. I think those episodes are absolutely fantastic. Oh, I, they they constantly come up in the top ten of all Trek. Th th those are really good episodes, and and they they had you know the actual classic bridge, you know what I mean, and the uniforms and everything. But it's like, and they did it, you know what I mean. But it's like it doesn't quite fit with what they did, you know. Um, Asia says, uh, <laughs> "I was waiting for him to leap out," and I, I I see those jokes all the time on hashtag All Star Trek when people are are you know um, commenting on Enterprise's block. I'll, I'll hear comments like that all the time, like, oh, boy, and, you know, uh, you're waiting for, for, for Archer to leap, and uh, why doesn't he leap, and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, uh, Enterprise did a lot of timeline stuff, too. They did do a lot of, like, weird time travel stuff. Which, ironic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, ironic, definitely. Uh, Jane is in the house, and she says, I liked Enterprise. I liked Enterprise. So, Jane, good to see you. And uh, Mots did confirm that uh, as far as Quantum Leap goes, yes, it's on the NBC app. It is available there if people want to check it out. All right. Um, very cool. Um, all right. So do we want to go ahead and get into uh, what I'm going to recommend actually for the Collector's Corner? Yes. Yeah. We wanted to give everybody context of, yeah, of yeah. why it is that we're, we're talking about uh, Quantum Leap comic books. And that's why, because Scott Bakula yeah, has it, presented this, these rumors about the a reboot of the series. And it's, and it's really, it's this kind of a strange thing, the, the selections I have for tonight. It, I mean, it fits with the Quantum Leap theme, but there's a specific kind of reason why I think it's an interesting choice. So, um, one of the things that's gotten kind of unusual is there are a lot of Star Trek, not Star Trek, Star Wars comic books, for example, that were essentially you could pick up for a song that you could almost get for free. 
that basically, you know, people didn't really seem to care much about. And then as each episode of The Mandalorian came out, Star Wars comic books, to an extent, were starting to experience, they'd already started to have like their own version of the Marvel bump. But with The Mandalorian, it got pretty fevered pitched. You know, first comic appearance of Ahsoka, you know, Ezra Miller, like all this stuff, like, like all of these things just started popping because of what was happening with The Mandalorian. And the excitement about what the Mandalorian could mean for live action, so that's why I've selected these these two particular books that we're going to talk about um, for this evening. So, um, if you'll put the first one up, Eric. All yes. right. Let me remove the uh, article there. All right. Very cool. And which one are we doing first? We're going to do first, the first first appearance. appearance? First okay. appearance. Okay, so based on my research, this is going to be your first appearance in a comic book. Okay, everyone understand that. This is your first appearance in a comic book for Sam Beckett and Al Calavici. Okay, now, um, I did a little bit of research into innovation because I know about innovation, the, the company, but some of our viewers, especially our younger viewers, may not be very familiar. But innovation was a comic book published. I'll be honest, I'm not. I'm totally okay. not familiar with that company at all. I didn't even know that was a comic book company. Wait, wait until you hear what they published. So they published <laughs> comic book. They published comic books uh, for Forbidden Planet, Lost in Space, Nightmare on Elm Street, and actually even Interview with the Vampire. In addition to Quantum Leap and many others. Wow, now, that's my, really a eclectic uh, mix, yeah. there, isn't it? Wow. Now, my faves, my faves from innovation. Um, is actually May's Agency. May's Agency was actually a detective series that actually featured some of the earliest artwork actually by Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes is now a legend, legendary comic book artist, but in his early days starting out, he did primarily artwork for black and white comic books, and he actually worked on May's Agency. I have a super rare May's Agency actually trade paperback on one of these back shelves back here. Um, I also quite liked the Justice Machine. I've talked about Justice Machine before here on the show. Justice Machine for a period of time was published by Innovation. My favorite run actually of Justice Machine actually is the Kamiko line or Kamiko run. But Innovation did also publish a Justice Machine um, revival at one time. Um, so it's a really eclectic, I think that's a good way to put it, Eric, eclectic mix of things. Now, my version, my copies of this, which... They're in the case, the, they're, they're actually one of the short boxes over here. I tried to dig them out, but they're not in drawer boxes. Drawer boxes are the kind that you can slide out. They're actually in one of the non-drawer boxes, and I didn't feel like rearranging the entire studio to, to get at them because <laughs> they're towards the back. I, I totally understand a, that. I totally understand yeah, I, that. I thought they were in a drawer box, but then when I realized where they were, I was like, I'm not digging those out. So, um. So here's here's the deal with this. My copies of issue number one, issue number two, I actually bought when they originally came out back in 1991. So um, I did some research. It's interesting. This came out in September of 1991. And this is, based on what I could tell, these, it, it, again, comic book, everybody. Remember, this is your comic book first appearance. Obviously, they debuted on television, okay? But your first comic book appearance, again, for Sam Beckett, Al Calavici, is going to be 1991 Innovation Quantum Leap, number one. Now, you, there are copies of this floating about. It's not ter terribly hard to find. Um, but I imagine getting like a really good copy of it might be a little tricky. In addition to that, um, 
there I didn't see any graded examples. Of yeah, I was going to say, do you, are there even any graded examples of this book? I, <laughs> I didn't see any. I didn't see any. Um, and, you know, if a new Quantum Leap series starts, like if it catches on, you know, this might be an interesting thing to pick up because you can pick. Well, we'll get into the prices here, but but you can you can find these um, there. Some of the issues are a little hard to find, but not impossible, hard to find. What's kind of really great about these two is most of the covers have these really great painted illustrations like what you see here. Like this, is, I think this is a great cover if you're a Quantum Leap fan. Um, just a really cool cover. All right. So here we go, everybody, as we as we like to do here on the show. These are all going to be raw. OK, so and I've got a range. So I found pretty good copies and examples of this on Mercari and also on eBay for Quantum Leap number one. So what what do we think on here? What do we think? We could do it this way. Anyone who's in the range is going to be considered like right on, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but but there is an I I feel like an ideal price for this based on what I was seeing and looking at the pictures. So um, what do we think, everybody? What do we think a a nice copy of Quantum Leap number one from 1991 would cost you? Asia uh, started out the gate at forty-five dollars. Right. Uh, Mots is going going the opposite direction. He's saying four dollars. Okay, four. And Jane's okay. right there in the middle, saying twenty dollars. Okay, twenty dollars. Okay, everyone's pretty much within the range. I think Mots is a little low, but you're all pretty much within the range. It it it's basically about five and goes as high as as fifty dollars. And uh, really, it, it, yeah, for for that's a for range. Copy, yeah, that's quite a range. Now, here's the deal. I saw really good, based on the pictures, what looked like really good high-grade copies of this book for basically about $10 on both eBay and Mercari. So if you're a Quantum Leap fan, if you think that's a cool cover, that would be fun to have in my collection. You know, if you're thinking, you know, I like Quantum Leap, I hope they do the new show, and you're thinking this might be something fun to buy, get graded, and hold on to, you can I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's been really interesting to see some of these, again, television and movie properties that have experienced to come back and then seeing some of their books actually go up in value kind of, you know, after, you know, after the fact and experience their own version of a bump. So yeah. I don't know for sure if that would happen with Quantum Leap, but if you're a Quantum Leap fan, I think this cover alone, it's a really great book. Again, these are your first comic book appearances of all the major elements and your two main characters. So that's why I picked this as our main recommendation uh, for tonight. These are both Dave's picks for tonight. We don't have a specific Dave's pick. Okay. Right on. All right. Very cool. All right. So let's go ahead and go to the second one. It's a huge shock, everybody. Quantum Leap number two. <laughs> <laughs> That that's is, the second that, appearance, huh? That's the second appearance, everybody, too. All right. I Who would have guessed, one, man? Who would have guessed? I picked <laughs> this one again because I I really like uh this cover because it's it's that classic kind of image like you would see from the show, and it's a really early, you know, one for the book. You've got Al coming walking out of the sliding door, he's got you know, the control module in his hand. He's got the cigar. You know, you've got Sam Beckett in a precarious circumstance. Literally, it looks like he's probably even saying like, oh boy. So I feel like this is like your classic quantum leap 
kind of moment. And I feel like there's something topical. I know I read this book. There is something topical going on in this one. Um, but also, even from the cover, you can see that there's a topical message that they're that they're going to say something in the story, too, which is really great. So um, I feel like this kind of encapsulates the show in, in, in very much a great kind of cover image. So that's why I recommend. I, I totally agree. As a fan of the show. And again, I'm not familiar with the comics at all. When Dave first told me that he was going to do this, I was like, they had Quantum Leap comics, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, but I love this cover. As a, as a fan of the show, this is, like you said, it, it's just all encapsulated right yep. there. The, the classic mirror image, you know, and you know, everything. It's just, it's just really, really awesome. And then uh, going back to the, the previous pick, uh, Mons mentioned that about his, his guests. He said, he said, he, he said $4 because he saw a copy at a bookstore. And he says, oh, okay. I guess I'm going back to pick it up. So he saw yeah. one in the wild for four dollars. That does seem like a good buy right there, Mots. That's a that's a that's a decent investment. You know what I mean? You just you just never know. You never know because if these rumors are true, and you know, Bacula said he wants to do it. If they do a reboot, you never know. You never know what kind of bump that could have on, on the price of the books. Yeah, yeah, and if it, and it's quite possible, like if if they do a great job of rebooting it, like what they did with Cobra Kai, it could you know, open up a whole new resurgence for Quantum Leap. And, you know, there's a lot of fans. I, I don't, spoiler alert. There's a lot of fans that were not totally thrilled with the season finale. Um, so if they could do a great job of, you know, bringing Quantum Leap back and actually giving those, you know, longtime Quantum Leap fans with the resolution that they probably would have liked, um, and I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. I don't know if we should put a spoiler alert up or not, but what do you well, think? Eric? I, I think it's it's worthy of talking about, you know, whether whether people because it is controversial, the ending of Quantum Leap. I mean, that's that that might be a big reason that people do want to reboot is because they weren't happy about the ending. And I actually fall in the in the other camp. I mean, I, I don't have any problem with the reboot as long as they do it well. That's that's always just the number one thing for me is it has to be done well. I want the original stars back. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't. It's okay if we get new leapers as well. You know what I mean? Um, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I, I've always thought the evil leapers were very interesting. And of course, the last episode did tell us there were other leapers. We actually saw other people leap, so we know there are other leapers. Um, but I didn't really have a problem with the finale. And I know it's I, controversial because a lot of fans hated it, and I never had a problem with it. I I really liked the finale up until the ending just the ending little bit that's 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 and, the and controversial part that's me, the controversial I'll, I'll, part so spoiler alert everyone i'm gonna go ahead and say what i didn't like I, i'm gonna go Sam, ahead and just put the i'm gonna put okay, the banner put, up on this one because right. there might be some people that never saw the the conclusion of quantum it, it, granted it's been out there for a long time but i'm gonna put the alert up there <laughs> okay so 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 there you go and and basically it is sam beckett never returned home and I, I, I have never, I, I remember when I saw that, when, when I, <laughs> when I saw that on, on the screen, when I watched the finale, I mean, I remember kind of getting teared up because he, you hope that he's out there doing good, right? Like, that's what you hope. You hope he's out there. And, and if he is, you know, he's going to make a difference. You know, he's going to fix things for the better. But on that other side, 
there's that idea because when you you see the episode where he does actually get to come home for a while, you know, it it seems like he does have a life that he would like to return to. So it's it's very bittersweet the idea that he's still out there doing good, but he never returned home. Yeah, well, I always thought it was bittersweet. You know what I mean? And so yeah. the idea is that. Hey, even though the show's been canceled, this is going to continue. You know, Sam's still out there helping people, uh, but he just never gets home. You know what I mean? I, right. I think that's bittersweet. There's a poignancy to that in my mind. And um, I know it's very controversial. There's a lot of people that hate that. In fact, I think we got some some comments here. Um, yeah, like Asia says, yes, I want them to to fix the the finale. Okay, so that she she's on the on the on board with that. That she wants to. You know, she wants she's one of those ones that wants to change it. You know what I mean? Uh, that would be a motivation for that reboot. And of course, Mott says, poor Sam. And I and I agree. I do think poor Sam. But at the same time, I think it's I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool that he's out there, you know, forever, basically helping people kind of like an angel. Because it's kind of what he is. You know, especially when you see the last episode, you know, that bartender is clearly God. You know what I mean? At least in my mind, you know what I mean? And, and Sam basically is an angel. Um of course, there's also controversy of that because there are different ways to look at it, right? You know, who, who who is that bartender? That's not necessarily a spoiler. That's an opinion. You know what I mean? As far as I know, I don't think they've directly come out and said that. You know what I mean? Is that maybe they have somewhere, but I'm not aware of it. So that's just my my speculation. But I have always thought of of Sam, you know, Sam Beckett as as a uh, an angel figure. You know what I mean? That's just the way that I that I, I interpret him. And uh, Orville Nation mentions uh, a, a kind of a similar show, and I know you weren't you weren't really into it, Dave, but I do th see the 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 parallels. Uh, PJ mentions like the Sliders never got home. Uh, sliders, in a lot of ways, is kind of a similar show, you know, because they're, you know, it's, but instead of time travel, it's parallel dimensions. Which, by the way, I can buy that a lot better because I think time travel is kind of bogus, um, but because of all the paradoxes, so I'm more into the parallel dimensions idea. Um, and yes, it's very similar. The, the sliders never got home, but the sliders didn't even get a title card for finale. Like it, it was, it, it ended on a cliffhanger. Sliders actually ended on a cliff, a cliffhanger. So it was it, in that sense, it was much worse <laughs> than quantum leaps ending. Cause at least quantum leap, yeah. they gave you some kind of finality with that title yes. card. There's no finality in sliders. I mean, it, it ends on a cliffhanger. A 100% cliffhanger. Uh, they just got canceled, and I hate that one. I hate when that happens to a series that I'm invested in at all. You know, when 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 a series ends like that, you're like, oh come on, man, what happened? Asia mentioned she loves sliders. Yeah, that was a good show. I I enjoyed it, especially the first few seasons, like the last season. I do think they kind of jumped the shark. Like some of the cast just didn't work anymore, because um, I thought uh, Jerry O'Connell was just kind of way too important. Once they got rid of him, it was like, uh, uh, I don't know. So, yeah, Marvel Nation says uh, PJ says Slider season five was a train wreck. I, I I I agree. It really it really was not very good, in my opinion. It really wasn't. Just too many casting changes. There was there was just too much, you know. Interesting. Okay. Um and, and, you know, as usual with Aisha's recommendation, she has me thinking I should reconsider Sliders. All right, so, <laughs> so Quantum Leap. Quantum hey, Leap Sliders is another one I think that might be available. I think it's universal. I think it's another one that might be available either on Peacock or the NBC app, if you ever want to check it out, Dave. Very cool. 
All right, so Quantum Leap number two, this came out in December of 1991. I do have it here in, in my ink-stained fingers um, my notes. All right, uh, again, December 1991. Um, again, uh, published by Innovation. Uh, like I said, I feel like this is your quintessential cover. I, I really, really like this cover. And the other cover is great, too, because it captures that moment from the opening credits with Sam Beckett in the Quantum Leap Accelerator. All right, so... Here, here we go, everybody. Uh, lots of copies of this floating around if you want to pick them up. It's not too terribly hard to pick up, but if people get interested in this, there's the, the quantity I've seen will disappear pretty quick. Um, so I saw, again, copies of this on eBay and Mercari primarily. That's where I normally do most of my online search, searching and occasionally purchasing for this kind of stuff. So, and again, my copy actually goes back to 1991. Because I, I, I bought it when it first came out. Um, actually, I bought this back when Capital Distribution still existed. We were buying directly from Capital. Uh, wow. Animated Jacks. We had a an actual like comic book shop dealer, whatever you called that, like account. And we just had to hit a certain amount every month. And because everybody that worked at Animated Jacks was such a diehard comic book fan, we could do that in our sleep. It actually ended up saving us money. And we actually were able to buy more books. Um Back, back in the what I like to call the good old days. All right, so again, uh, eBay Mercari, I found lots of listings for this. And um, what do we think about this one, everybody? What do we think a raw copy, a decent, a decent raw copy of this book is going to run you on either eBay or Mercari? Asia's out the gate with $15. All right. Uh, Mott's is going similar to his, his previous guess at $5. Okay. He went okay. up a dollar. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, Jane is at ten. Ten dollars. All right. Very cool. All all great guesses. Again, as usual, there is a range. There is a range. Everyone is pretty much within that range. However, I saw really good in my mind looking at pictures, high grade quality copies of this available, like you know, to purchase and get graded if you wanted. Uh four dollars. Four bucks. $4, really? Yeah, four bucks. Really, really good high grade copies. Uh, four bucks. And here's the other thing. Here's the interesting thing, too. I found actually a couple different listings. There's not that many of them, but there are about two or three listings I found for full runs of the Quantum Leap Innovation series, like complete full runs, um, ranging anywhere from $60 to $200 for an entire run. And I, I, I didn't pick it. But now I feel like I should have shown it. So you might want to go online and just search for Quantum Leap comic book just to see the cover. But I think it's issue either like 10 or 11. I forget which one it is. It's a really, really cool cover. It's one of the ones I didn't get because it was it, at, at that point, like we'd lost our ability to buy from Capital. And um, let's see. Um, I never I never even saw it until I was looking online today. But I think it's e either issue 10 or 11. And it's interesting because it looks like Sam is actually leaping into Clark Kent. Oh, really? And and it's like the 1950s Adventures of Superman. Clark Kent, he's got the hat with the press card stuck in it. And he's ripping open his shirt, but he doesn't have a Superman outfit on. And in the window, looking outside, you can see um, there's an airplane on fire, like it's going to crash. And Al's like, oh, no, like, what are we going to do? And it has like the store, you know, like the stock room or the storeroom in the back. It's a really, really cool cover. I should have made it my pick and actually had it on tonight's episode. 
Um, but I, I wanted to focus on the, the, the key ones. And I, I really right. feel like, because these covers are great. The likenesses are great. They're painted too. So I was like, let's just go with these. So. Hey, and look who's in the house. Oh, PJ PJ's is in here. the house. Orville nation is in the house. Hey, thanks for the invite guys. It's, it's an great honor. to see cool. you. PJ. Hey, Dave. Hi. It's good to see you. And you know what's 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 funny? You know who else is in the house? Whoops! Oh, I'm oh. sorry, I, I messed up the. Uh, we are we are competing right now over control here. I'm <laughs> so... trying to turn it off. I'm trying to help. I know. You. I, I was too, and then I was turning it back That's on. Funny. <laughs> but uh, Robert McVeigh, uh, my my partner uh, with Bad Bob Productions, he's in the house, and he basically I, I is is giving the one of the big announcements here because he says she's in. And Dave, I think you know exactly what he's referring to. Yeah, yep. uh, we did have a big announcement tonight, and we were hoping that PJ would come on. Oh, uh, wow, big announcement! And, uh, PJ, I'm sorry, were you saying something? I said it'd be a wow, big announcement. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I was talking to you about you know a little bit about it behind the scenes, um, and uh, basically, uh, you know, Dave and I are collaborating. Uh, along with my partner, Robert McVeigh. So it's Bad Bob and Kirby Tease. You know, we're, we're collaborating together on a new project. And uh, we're going to be doing it from the ground up, uh, basically live on the show. So wow. in a future episode, uh, maybe like a, as, as, as soon as maybe within the next two or three weeks, something like that, uh, we are going to be doing a comic book from the ground up. And also with the intention that this is a property that could be adapted into other things like film, television, action figures, video games, what, you know, meta media, you know, this is going to be a big collaboration uh, between uh, Bad Bob Productions and Kirby T's. Very cool. And, Congrats. and the thing that will make it really interesting is like right now, like you can go on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, whatever it is, and you can watch people drawing and, and occasionally you can watch people actually creating pages for their creator own book or whatever. But the thing that makes this kind of unique is because those of you in the rogues gallery who watch the show, who comment, um, we haven't quite ironed out all the details yet, but based on, you know, your feedback, there's the possibility that you can um, help determine uh, at times the course that elements might take. Um, we're yeah, we're, still we're, we're actually good. We're actually going to have like you know different versions of the characters, and we're going to actually uh, solicit feedback from the rogues gallery from our audience. Um, you know which, which version of the character they they prefer. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. That's that's the kind of participation and buy-in uh, we want to give our audience and create a fandom for a brand new, uh, you know, a brand new IP, a brand new property. Because you know so many of us out there, PJ, and I'm sure you hear it all the time. We complain and we complain and we complain about what's out there, right? I mean, you know, whether it's Picard or whatever it is, right? Yeah. We complain about this stuff. And nobody, you know, I'm not saying nobody, but a lot of the people that are complaining, they aren't making shit. They're not making anything. You know what I mean? And, uh, hey, it, you know, if you're going to complain, you know, come here and, and help us achieve something new. You know what I mean? Get on board and help us do something new, something something different. Absolutely. Don't just complain. Uh, take action. Support, exactly. That's uh, the idea. Support uh, creators like you guys. Yeah. That's great. 
Yeah, that, that that's definitely our intention. And we, we really want you folks out there in the Rose Gallery, as, a, as we call our audience, um, we want you to participate. We want you to be involved in this process. We're going to try to involve you as much as we can without getting into legal trouble. That's the idea. So you know <laughs> what I mean? Because uh, because yeah, we don't want we don't want to have that. We don't want to have hurt feelings, and we don't want a lawsuit. You know, because we want we want to plan for success. You know, if this that this is going to be something that'll be that will you know lead to other things. But at least initially, it's going to be a comic book. You know, so that's going to be the initial project. Wow. And and that's kind of why I was you know trying to you know pick my words very carefully because we're still ironing out how exactly that's going to work. But I had pitched this idea um, to Eric like a, a while ago, and I, I thought that you know wouldn't it be interesting if you know our our you know we'll use you know what if you know what if this you know, and Eric says I think it's an interesting idea, and we've been trying to figure out like the best way to approach that. Um, because I think it would be really kind of cool, not just to see it being created, but more importantly, if, you know, something you go, oh, well, I like this better than that, if that could actually help determine, you know, the project that we, we end up with at the end. And then you could feel like, as well as you are a part of the journey, you know, to help bring this thing to fruition. So... Um, I just thought that was a really fun thing. And, and I love watching that stuff. I love watching stuff, you know, being created and, and coming together. And, and um, I just, and, and it's interesting too, because comics is a very, very collaborative medium. It is a very collaborative medium. And the meetings that Eric and I have had and, uh, with Rob and, you know, they're, it's very interesting because um, we're going to be, using the concept of collaboration in, in a totally unique way and, and introducing some fun new ideas. And I'm very excited about that. That's what the she's in comment actually means. I'm really excited for what we're going to do with this. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, we, yeah. What Rob, my partner was talking about what she's in, uh, we're already talking to an effects person to do like a, an actual photo cover of our, our main character. So that's the kind of stuff we're already talking about doing that we're already setting up. So this is going to be a very fun process. I think you're going to see a lot of aspects of both the creation of, of comics and potentially of a film or television series or whatever it is that we decide to do with it, you know, depending on the reaction, of course, that we get. And we do have reaction right now. So Jane says, wowzers. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, this was, a, like I said, a big announcement for us. Uh, Mott says, cool. So we appreciate your support out there. Asia says, Find your fate, roll for initiative. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We are rolling the dice. We are definitely rolling the dice on this one, but we're very hopeful that it's gonna work out. And uh, Moria Kitty is in the house and she's got some some nice little hearts for us. So we, we really appreciate that. Hey, Moira. And, and we would definitely, I'm sorry, PJ? I just said hi, I just said, hey, Moria. Yeah, um, Moria, we would love for you to be on this journey with us as well. You know what I mean? So. We, part of this is we're going to have to develop an audience for this IP and it's going to be from the ground up. And so we, we are going to pour ourselves out there as much as we can, you know, try to be on, on Orville nation or anywhere else we can be on and, and promote this project. And then of course, you know, your, your home base is going to be here at retro rogues. You know what we're, we're actually going to be doing like some of the meetings. We'll probably have Rob on here. Uh, we'll probably have our FX person on here at one point. And you're going to see what the process is like. You know, that's the idea. And it's going to be very unique. 
and very different. And hopefully a lot of you are really going to enjoy it. And Gap is in the house. Gap Stargate is in the house. And he says, roll, baby, roll. <laughs> and he says, it's a quick hello. We appreciate that, Gap. Uh, Gap, you always provide such great insight when you're on the show. I, I really wish you were on the show more because you always come up with great questions, great insight, all that kind of stuff. And we do appreciate you. I know you've said that you do watch us a lot on the reruns, but I do want to give that shout out to you, Gap, because Gap, you, you, you give some good uh, comments and good, good stuff. And he's coming from uh, Twitter of all places, by the way. He's on, he's on Twitter out there. So that's crazy. And he says, he says, love you guys. We love you too, Gap. We really do. In fact, I again, I wish you were on the show more often. Very cool. So how oh, and AJ everything... says she's going to reblog us, all us guys, all day. And we appreciate that, Asia. We really appreciate that support. That's what we're going to need. We're going to yeah. need people blog, reblogging, retweeting us like crazy because we need to build this audience. So, uh, PJ, how's everything been going with uh, Orville Nation? Well, I've been on like a pause for personal reasons for like a month, but um, oh, okay. everything's okay. Um, and um, we just finished a stream with uh, kind of just a memorial stream for uh, for Norm McDonald. And uh, today we got the um, well, we well, everybody got it the uh, the um, the Hulu um, mini teaser for uh, season three. Uh, so oh. Orville is going to be with a premiere date of uh, March third, uh, March tenth. Sorry. When did uh, that come out, PJ? I haven't seen it. There was a teaser that just came out. They just put it out today. Yeah, I'll link it to you. I'll send it to you if you want. Yeah, um, I think our audience would love to love to know about that. You could even play it if you wanted. This to. is your source, folks, for everything yeah. Orville related. Is Orville Nation? They do a great job. PJ does a great job. This is your source for Orville information. Thank you. Um, how you been, Dave? Oh, I've I've been going crazy and doing too much and not getting enough sleep as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is always doing a million things. Uh, for for you folks that don't know Dave, I mean Dave and I are, are personal friends as as much as we're business colleagues, co-hosts, whatever you want to say. And uh, Dave works his butt off; he really does, and he's always doing about a bazillion things at the same time. And actually, you know, there's a project that we haven't been able to talk about, and I'm 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 hopeful when that NDA um, is uh, is over um, that we can talk about it because I think a lot of people will be really interested in knowing, you know, one of these projects that Dave has been on that I'm not allowed to talk about, unfortunately. And, but and and, and it, it's it's crazy because it, I think when when people see what it is, they'll be like, oh yeah, of course Dave would have worked on that. But on the flip of it, their initial reaction is going to be like. They've worked on that. So, um, yeah, there's 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 been a lot going on. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been working like mad. But I still want to I still want to come on your show, PJ, when you guys are talking about Stargate and draw raw. I really, really want to do that. Really yeah. Oh, Anub was it Anubis or raw? You want to draw? No, Anubis. I'm sorry. Anubis. You are correct, yeah. sir. Anubis. Yes. Yeah. Why I was uh... raw. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to. Yeah, I was going to reach out to you uh, very shortly about it. Very cool, hey, very cool. I just want to let everybody know this is not spam, but I am putting out to the chat that link for that uh, that teaser that PJ was just talking about. So any of you folks that are that are uh, Orville fans, uh, you can check that out. I am I'm I'm releasing that to you folks. And just a heads up, it looks like some either the Orville has been refitted or it's another Orville. 
Wow, so that's that big bridge, news. Yeah, that's big that news. That's very cool. That's very cool. I love I, the Orville. I, I, I wonder if they're doing something show. something like all of the motion picture. I wonder if that's what's going on. You know that what I mean? Really cool. Like a you know a refit, a redesign, yeah, like yeah, you said, yeah. or if it is a, a brand, or if it is what Star Trek Four. Star Trek Four, <laughs> right, is when we can't, got the Enterprise A, right? So yeah. My it theory. Could also be... Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. No, go ahead, PJ. You go. Go, go. Finish up. Finish. I was just gonna say it could be like a Phase Two type thing too. So. Yeah, that'd be interesting yeah. too. Yeah, phase like two. yeah, Phase Two. Yeah. My theory is it's not clear if the timeline is going to be the exact same thing after the season two ending. Um, they might go back and there might be slightly changes. And my theory is that maybe they go back to an Orville that's not a midsize vessel, but a big cruiser. Um, and it's just another ship. But, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, that's big news. That's that, that's pretty interesting that, that they're going to be doing that. That's really cool. I think it's really cool. I um, I've really missed the Orville like a lot. Like I I, it was weird because um, I found myself watching the Orville instead of Star Trek for like a, a good period of time, um, and then eventually I did find myself back to classic Trek. But um, the just the the Orville is such a fun show, and I just really really um uh like it and and i really enjoy pj's show i don't get to watch it as much as i did because i'm just constantly like i got a thousand things going on so i usually miss the live shows and then i watch it later um but i used to love coming on you know being on a live show and chatting and interacting with everyone because it's a really it's a really fun group so oh we lost pj uh oh, we must have lost the signal you know, that's funny because I was going to ask him, like, whereabouts is he these days? You know what I mean? Like what time zone kind of thing. Right. That's that's what I was actually going to follow up and ask him about. Uh, Gap is still here. And he mentions that the Orville premieres March 2022. And I would definitely trust uh, Gap on this because Gap is very knowledgeable in these things. So March 2022, you folks, if you are in to the Orville, that's the day. It's on Hulu, folks. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very um, nervous because, I, you know, I don't want to see this ship jump the shark. I don't want to see it, you know, go bad, you know, because I have been burned so many times. You know, th th that's one of the reasons that Dave and I are doing what we're doing is because uh, it's been frustrating for me. I think people that, that have, you know, seen the show know I do get really frustrated with new stuff. And I'm just like at the point of I don't even want to deal with this anymore, you know. So it's like I wanted to do something different. But Orville is one of those ones I'm looking forward to. And um, I hope it doesn't disappoint. I really hope it doesn't disappoint. I feel the same way as as well. And, um, and Asia's got a comment there, too. She says, says I, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. You got it. Says, I was emotional for Orville. I felt like I did when Next Gen came out. And uh, it's funny. I got into Orville basically like um, mid season two. In fact, I still haven't even seen season one, to be honest with you. Uh, there was a time that actually PJ and I were talking about since he was reviewing the show that I might start watching the show and be on some of Orville Nation reviewing the show with them, but the timing didn't work out very well. And um, I got into it, uh, you know, mid season two, and it was the episode uh, where the, the robot is. Um, What's the robot's name, Dave? Um, 
do you recall I, what the the robot's name? This is really I want to say I Isaac. Know. I want to say Isaac. I, yeah, I yeah, Isaac, that's it. That's it. And he is uh romancing the doctor. And I was like, dude, this is like a total reimagining of a classic next gen episode where data was dating someone, which I always thought was a really cool episode. Um, and, uh, you know, no spoilers, but it, it, it just, I immediately felt like I was home. You know what I mean? Is what I'm trying to say is when I saw that episode, I could see that this was in a lot of ways, a love letter to, to, to classic Trek, you know, I mean, I consider, you know, next gen, like classic Trek. And it was, it was just like a love letter to it, but they were doing something different with it. Like the setup was kind of the same. But the characters are very different, and what ends up happening is very different than like what happened on Next Gen. Um, so I, I just felt like I was home immediately, you know. Yeah, it's it's um it's been a while since uh, honestly I've I've watched uh, um, any of uh, any Orville episodes. Um, I feel kind of bad about that in in hindsight, because um, I was going through a phase where I was just constantly rewatching them, um, and then. I was kind of following the updates and then when the updates kind of stalled out and it kept getting pushed back and kept getting pushed back, I, I kind of stopped watching some of the reruns because I, I was wanting to wait until it was, you know, closer to the show coming back. Well, one of the things you and I had talked about at one point was like, we wanted to review Orville episodes and we have, we kept waiting and waiting because we wanted to have right, the height right. of season yeah. three to help propel the show. You know what I mean? And so we kept having to delay it because obviously uh, Orville had all those COVID delays and all those problems. But we were talking about doing that on this show. And that was the way that I was going to finally watch, you know, uh, season one and, and the rest of season two, you know. So but it just the timing just never, never seemed quite right. You know, just and obviously now we're trying to do something else entirely different. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Asia mentions, it feels like if my friends were on the Enterprise and how we would act. And I think there's so many Star Trek fans that feel that way. Like the Orville is like, that's, you know, it's it's the way that the classic Enterprise crew would act. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and, and maybe even more so next gen. It's just, but it's like, again, it feels like it's home. And, you know, I, I have a lot of problems with New Trek. I mean, I, I do not pull punches when it comes to new Trek. And a lot of that stuff does not feel like home to me. But Orville does. You know what I mean? It really does. Yeah, the Orville was, um, I remember when originally when I started watching it, um, The um, I watched several episodes of, of the first season. I was into it. And then I kind of got busy with life, as I often do. And then I had a, a friend at that time, the day job I was at at that time. And he's like, hey, um, you know, you sh did you see the latest episode of the Orville? And I was like, no. And he was telling me all about it. Um, and he, he was just talking about how much he liked it. And I thought it was really interesting because he, he knew I was like a Trek fan and I was like a nerd. So he knew I was probably watching it. So he just <laughs> kind of started talking to me about it, like, a, like, you know, I knew. And it was so weird because he was really into it. And so I was like, huh, well, maybe I'll, I'll check it out. And so I watched that particular episode he was talking about. And I thought it was hilarious and it actually got me back into it. And then I was completely blown away with what they did in, in season two. Um, I mean, season two is just so, I think for me, I think for me, the episode that always sticks out is the one where it, it is um, Isaac, it, it is the doctor, 
and her kids. And it's the one where the, uh, the ship crashes on the planet. And then the kids are with Isaac and she is separated from her children. Like that to me is still one of the most powerful episodes of the Orville I've ever seen. And we learned so much about, you know, all these different characters, you know, like, and it's, it, you know, it's interesting too, because when you, when you have kids in the show, it, it, it's, it's right at that borderline, you know, between yeah. it could be, it could be good or it could be really bad just because, you know, the kids performances don't match up to what's happening. Um, but it was just such a great episode. And that's one of the ones that always sticks out in my mind is how powerful that episode was and, and how just completely wrapped up in it. And how much like classic Trek it felt like too. Like it just felt like really great Star Trek. And that's one of the things that's great about Orville is where current new Trek occasionally feels like that's pretty good, but it might kind of miss the mark here or there. Orville always feels like it's it's in that that sweet spot, you know, like what Trek probably should be doing at times. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Asia says, uh, I cried so hard that episode, Dave. So uh, she definitely was, was filling that one as well. I did want to mention that uh, PJ apparently is safe and sound. He says, sorry, guys, storm knocked out power. So uh, stay safe out there, PJ. He says he's going to hang out in the chat. Uh, so definitely feel free to, to comment, PJ, um, as the show progresses. But we're, we're glad that you're safe out there. Uh, we've had some pretty bad storms out here in Arizona as well. Our monsoon season's been pretty active. I actually had a leak in my house at one point. So wherever you're at, I hope you're being safe uh, because uh, it is tough sometimes. It is tough. And we, we've even had a couple shows, I think, where one or both of us had a, had one of the monsoons yeah. going and we were having having some issues and things like that. All kinds of issues. Yeah. Uh, Gap asks a question. He says, have you guys heard about dropping the word men? from the X-Men movie titles. Gap, yeah, I, I always try to check what's trending on Twitter uh, because I like to relate stuff. Like, you know, one of the, that's one of the reasons we're gonna be talking about Chris Pratt because that was uh, breaking news was Chris Pratt's gonna be in uh, Mario Brothers. So stay tuned for that. We're gonna be talking about that. But uh, of course, when I was looking at that, I did see that trending. I saw why X-Men was trending and I was like, oh my gosh. Please, what the hell is wrong with you people? You know what I mean? Uh, from the beginning, the X-Men always had women in it from the very first issue. So get over it, folks. Seriously, get over it. I mean, that's what I think tanked the last uh, X-Men movie was that stupid X-Woman comment. I know it made me like, I'm not going. I am not supporting this garbage. You know what I mean? It incensed me. There have been women in the X-Men since the beginning it's always been mixed it's always been like that i don't know did you hear about this dave that this was trending this movement to to remove men from x-men um so we're talking about taking men out of x-men so yeah take men be, out of x-men it would just be x all right um because they because because men are bad dave even you got the memo men are bad and yeah, you can't it. have men anything I got it. I, I, I've gotten it in spades. Um, so <laughs> let, let me, let me, let me. Just, well, let Asia me. says, get the French toast on the X-Men thing. <laughs> you know? All right. And Gap, so, and, Gap, and Gap says, you know, he says exactly. They need to stop the madness because Gap was the one who asked the question. And, and I mean, oh, here you go. Mott says X people, right? That's what we're, well, we're talking here's, about. <laughs> here's, here's what, let me, let me tell you all what I heard. And this is going, this is going a ways back. I have been hearing 
among certain channels for a while. I don't have crazy connections, so no one read too far in the tea leaves on this, but I have been hearing for a while that there has been rumblings about rebranding X-Men just as mutants. And I heard that also, we covered that on the show. I think we actually yeah, covered that one time on the show. One time, but I've yeah. been hearing that for like a long time, like even on the comic book side. Um, because because we were talking, we were really um, we we misread WandaVision, and you know me especially, I was thinking that we were going to see the genesis of the mutants. You know what I mean in the MCU. And yeah. we talked about that because that was one of the things that was floating out there and this rebranding of X-Men to mutants for MCU. Well, and, and, and here's I remember that here, for me, here's, here's the thing. It's always been the X-Men meaning men, mankind that that's how I always took it. And then secondly, when I think about, you know, like the X-Men, okay. In that same grouping, always in my mind's eye. And I just posted a whole bunch of sketch cards actually of Jean Grey, the Phoenix. And in my mind, I, I, I am always seeing Rogue. I've talked about how like Rogue is one of my favorite X-Men. She has been since I was a kid. Um, Storm is one of my favorite X-Men. She's always been great. I, I really love the Mohawk era myself back, you know, when she was, you know, kind of reconnecting with her powers, but she was like a great martial artist and and was just like a total badass. I, I love Storm. Um, you know, uh, Jean Grey has always been just a really, really great character. And then Psylocke. I've, I've always really loved Psylocke. I have a special affinity and connection out of Psylocke because I worked on sort of the Braddocks. And um, I have always, always loved all of those characters. And those female characters are so important to the, to the X-Men's story. And, and the X-Men have always had female powerful members and the group has always been very diverse. You know, it, it's always been that, you know. Since and day one. So Since I don't understand one. why we have to take the word men out of the title. Um, because it worked so well for that, that last X-Men movie. When, with that stupid line, you know, maybe we should call it X-Women. You know what I mean? That stupid line kept so many people away. That worked so well. So... Let's just keep going there. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know? <laughs> Gap well, says, uh, rebrand, reboots, remakes, needs to stop. And Gap, that's what we're trying to do on this show. We're trying to come up with some new stuff for you folks so that you, we can stop this insanity. You know what I mean? And we can come up with something new and fresh, you know, and, and different. At the same time that you're going you're gonna to recognize the, the discussions we've had, there's things that you're going to recognize that we're, we're, we're homaging, you know what I mean? Or we're inspired by or things like that. We've already had those discussions, but it is, we are trying to do something new, you know, and that's, and that's definitely what we're trying, we're trying to do. And um, Dave, you know, Mott says, you know, if, if it's not broken, right, don't fix it. There's nothing wrong with X-Men. There, there's nothing wrong with that brand or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, there, and it's weird because I could see. I I think the biggest problem for the X Men, to be completely honest, is there's a question of age for Xavier and Magneto, depending upon how you want to look at their original story. Um, because we're we're getting kind of far away from World War Two, so there there is a question of that like if you're going to introduce them as if they're new and these events are just currently happening 
you're you're gonna have some you're gonna have some you're gonna have some explaining to do and and you're gonna have to figure out how to make that work or you're gonna have to make some changes that hopefully the fans are are gonna be okay with i don't know can't you just say that magneto is really old you know what i mean i mean I, to, to me that you, would be you like can. You, i mean these you are can. superheroes they are mutants right. so i mean i don't but know just, all in my I'm, mind all i'm like I'm saying, I, I wouldn't even want to change that you know all i'm saying is i could see them having those conversations and and maybe there is a reason to have some of those conversations but that's what i'm saying you have to be careful how you tread on that material and how you approach it if you start off by monkeying with the title and then you're going to do that too you're really setting yourself up for a tough road to hoe. And then you're taking something that could already be like an incredibly huge, successful, very important part of a new phase of the Marvel movies and the MCU. And you're going to already like literally crash it into the side of a house and yeah. then continue to try and drive it down the street. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And Gap says, you know, while they try to explain all this, we're going to have a massive headache. You know, so I I feel like at some point that we have to just be okay to just let things be and and just tell new stories, you know, and 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 that's it. And I look at Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai did such a great job of recapturing the vibe and the feel of the original movies with the original actors back. They didn't go through and monkey with and change a bunch of stuff. They just left it as it was they moved it forward in time and they're telling new stories and it's great like you don't have to overthink this stuff but depending upon how the the age how they want to explain that i'm just saying that's a conversation they're probably going to need to have and figure out how they want to approach that subject matter but again if you're going to monkey with the title and do that at the same time i feel like you're really really setting yourself up for a potential catastrophe i'm not familiar with this particular storyline but asia mentions dragon lance continued the stories down to the great grandchildren of the original players says they can learn from that are you familiar with that storyline uh yeah i I actually have i'm more a fan of the comic book adaptations of dragon lance there's a bunch of them back here on the shelf asia um so no yeah i i i think that um again the That's what I'm saying. There are great examples that you can learn interesting and important storytelling lessons from. And and I think that Asia's got the right idea. Um, You know, you know, maybe even that, you know, Magneto and Professor X's time was before. Maybe they're not even around anymore. And we're dealing with the legacy of of that fallout. But what I'm saying is, unless you're going to use you're going to use the multiverse angle to set that up and and have it be a parallel universe that's folded in um i I, it's just it's it's some weird subject matter because i've heard a lot of people talking about it i've heard creative professionals talking about it i have heard fans talking about it and up until that point i hadn't really thought about it like you know computing the ages and whatever else is all going on um and you're correct eric you could just say because they're mutants they have a longer longevity right that makes total sense. That might be an additional benefit actually for being a mutant, because actually if you played the old Marvel superheroes role-playing game, mutants actually inherently have a higher level of strength and, and certain attributes anyway, just, just right off the bat. Like you start off at, at, at a higher level just because you're a mutant. So yeah. you could add longevity to that and, and it might work, but 
I'm all I'm saying is that we go the Captain America route, we could freeze them. <laughs> you know, so you could. <laughs> or you could have them come back from space. They could have been somewhere in space and come back. Xavier's got that whole thing with uh shoot, who the hell is it? Lalandra or whatever. I'm probably getting that all wrong. But um, you know, there there is that whole thing too with the the what was it, the Shari Empire or whatever. So there is a lot of of material That's what Asia just said. Okay. <laughs> There is a, there, there's a lot of material that you so that you can't explain it because we have a great cosmic aspect to the MCU thanks to Guardians of the, the Galaxy. So so it is Alondra. Okay, thank you, Asia. She confirmed that for me. Thank you. I I yeah, I get so nervous sometimes when I'm talking on the show and I'm like going, don't say the wrong thing, because I hate when people say the wrong thing on the show and I <laughs> do it all the time. And so I was like, "Going, damn it!" I we just, we I don't got a good wrong. audience, so they'll, they'll keep us honest. So, yeah, true, and we're, we're, well, we're always going to acknowledge that. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's part of the fun of the show, right? So, is that we do have this this good audience to to, to bounce things off of, and and to keep us honest, keep us honest. Speaking Thank of which, um, we we do have to kind of move on because I do want to yes. make sure we do uh, at least the the topics that are in in the description. I always want to make sure that we at least do that. So uh, to kind of get back on track with Collector's Corner a little bit, uh, my section of Collector's Corner, I wanted to talk about action figures, as I often do, because I, I like that's just the, that's what I like. You know what I mean? Not that I don't like comic books or trading cards or other things, um, but but toys tend to be what grabs me. And I've had some trouble. You know, a lot of modern toys I have not been liking. I have not been liking. But these I thought were interesting. And I don't know if you heard about this, Dave. But this is an IGN article, and it says the droids are back. Hasbro to remake some of the rarest Star Wars figures. These droids are welcome here. This was just updated today, folks. This is breaking news. It says Hasbro has an another new wave of Star Wars figures designed to tickle your nostalgia bone. This time around, the company is revisiting one of the most obscure line of Star Wars figures ever released those based on the short-lived animated series droids. So check out the slideshow gallery below for a closer look at all four droid figures. And I think these are really neat looking. So um, we've got basically, we've got Boba Fett and there's gonna be two versions of Boba Fett. Uh, one that's gonna be the, the three and three quarter and one that's gonna be the, uh, the six, six inch scale. As you can see, uh, he looks very much like he did in the droids cartoon series. Are, are you able to see this, Dave? Yes. Yeah, it looks really cool. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Were you aware of this announcement? I I was not. I I did not actually. I had not actually heard you. You mentioned it obviously in the show prep to me, um, just briefly, but I hadn't seen anything from it. That's really cool. I really like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm guessing that's the six inch scale because he looks like he has a lot of detail there. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a, you know, he's got even like articulation in the ankle and stuff like that. Yeah, that's got to be the six inch because there's no way that the, the three, the three. And th well, they actually have changed the three and three quarter line somewhat, too. Right. Like they get added more articulation to some of them because I get confused because there's the vintage line and there's the retro line. Like I featured the retro line uh, on the air when I did my pickup of the Mandalorian figures. And that was the retro line. And so they look like the classic Kenner figures. 
But the vintage line is, is not that, right? The vintage line is sort of like modern uh, recreations of classic figures on a, a classic inspired card back, right? I mean, it's, it, it's yeah. very confusing. The branding is very confusing. But you can see this this box here. That's pretty cool. You know, that's the, the that image cool. from, from, from the Droid series. Um, you know, I think the Droid series is controversial for a lot of folks, but I, I really like the art style. You know, I, I like that cartoony art style. And here you can see we've got their version. And again, this is the vintage collection. Uh, we've got their version of R2-D2. So you have some more images of that. And I like the, the more cartoony look, the paint scheme. Really, really a good uh, a good rendering for what R two D two looked like on the show. I, th as I recall, the one that they actually came out with for the Droid line, it was pretty much just a regular R two D two with like a different dome. Does that sound right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Like they made yeah, the dome yeah, look more like the cartoon, but otherwise it was basically just the same figure. And that also goes for Boba Fett. Boba Fett was just the same Boba Fett figure, just with a different card back, right? So yeah. And it looks like they are bringing the coins back, so they're going to have these these uh, you know 50 year anniversary, and they're going to have you know Droids logo on it, which I think is really cool. I've I've always liked the coins. I thought that they were kind of a neat thing. There's a pretty good image of R2D2, and you can see that he's going to have the 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 telescopic uh, part. This is the uh, three and three quarter uh, Boba Fett, so you can see what he looks like. I, I think that's a really good looking figure. I want that one in my collection, Dave. Definitely, I want that one. Yeah, I think that cool. looks really cool. That's I, I really I really dig it. And let's see if we can get to C three PO. There we go. And you can see he he looks very much uh, like the 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 cartoon version, which the original um, C three PO. I think they they did a fairly good job of making him actually look like the cartoon. You know, the way that I remember. But this one's even better. I mean, he looks even more like the cartoon, don't you think? Yeah, as far as I could tell, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And you can see that these these three and three quarter figures do have quite a bit more articulation. So again, this is the vintage line, not the retro line. Um, I'm actually been more of a supporter of the retro line personally. So if I get these figures, these will be the only vintage collection figures I have. Uh, but I dig them that much that I think I'm going to do it. What about you, Dave? They're cool. They're cool. I would seriously consider it. Um, I think I've shown it on the show before. My favorite Boba Fett figure is actually over there. Um, and th that is the uh, the the concept uh, prototype uh, Boba Fett, the one that's in the, the all-white yeah. armor, because originally they, they were, when they were creating Boba Fett, they were thinking that, you know, it would be like a Clone Wars era trooper or something i forget exactly what the specifics of that were but you know there's video actually you can see that actually online where they're you know that lucas uh lucas film had shot or ilm i think it shot where they were testing everything out and going over the suit and what they were looking and thinking about doing before he got the paint scheme that everyone now knows so yeah, I really dig the animated paint scheme. I really like it so again there's going to be the black series boba fett that's at the six inch scale and then there's also going to be the vintage collection of Boba Fett, R2-D2, and C-3PO. That will be in the three-three-quarter scale. All four figures will be exclusive to Target in the U.S. Uh, there's pre-order links from this article. So if you go to this IGN article, uh, you can get the links. 
uh, to um, the the pre-order that it does go live tomorrow, September 24th at 6 a.m. So I know a lot of folks are, are probably going to be disappointed because I know that that's kind of been the way it's been uh, with these exclusives and things like that. Uh, but, you know, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to find one in the store, maybe. You know, I, I like the thrill of the hunt. I really do. And uh, we do have some reaction. Uh, Gap Stargate says, uh, what? Droids back? Faint. <laughs> that, that was kind of my reaction. Because I, I saw this today. I just saw this today. It was on that Paternia site. I do want to give them credit. Paternia. They, they, have, a lot of, um, they have a lot of images for modern stuff. And stuff that's coming out. So I, I get I, when, I, when it comes to modern, I tend to go to them to get information for the show. Uh, Asia says I love the throwbacks and the cell shading. Uh, me too. I really like the the, the 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 the. I just like the look. I just think the look is really really cool. It just brings me back because I watched Droids as a kid, and it was it was really kind of a neat thing as a kid. Even though the series had a lot of problems, I actually preferred Ewoks over Droids. To be honest with you, as a kid. Uh, because I just really digged Ewoks when I was a kid. And um, I liked Ewoks better, but I did like the look. I always liked the look of the droids um, figures. In fact, I even had, I think, one or two uh, droids figures, and I can't remember which ones I had. They, they, I remember they were not, though, R2 or C-3PO or Boba Fett or, like, any of those. They were some of the new characters. Uh, Mott says, I'm in. I'm in. So he's digging it. He's digging it. And uh, yes, Mots, you know, that, that is my concern too. It says target. That means I won't be able to get it. <laughs> Don't, you never know, Mots. You never know. I mean, I've found a lot of those, um, the Kenner Marvel legend figures. That is a line that I've been supporting. Um, and I have found a lot of them in, in stores. So I'm hopeful, although I still haven't seen any wave three in stores. It's still been like wave one and wave two stuff. And if I find anything at all, because I will admit it's tough. But I, but I was able to get every uh, every figure of Wave 1 and Wave 2 by going to the stores. There's like three targets that are close to my house. And uh, between the three of them, I was able to get a complete collection of Wave 1 and Wave 2 without being you know crazy about it. Because, you know, I, I go to Target regularly. I, I even get groceries there sometimes. And uh, whoops, Asia says that uh, Target normally does their Star Wars launches on Fridays. Uh, that's going to be the case, I guess, with this one as well. It's going to be going live uh, tomorrow, and that is a Friday. And Jane mentions that she really likes the Boba Fett. I agree. That, that's the one that I actually feel like I have to have in my collection. And I might, because I've mentioned this, I am not a six-inch scale, uh, six scale guy. I might actually get that, that, that Boba Fett, the six-inch, even though I am not really a fan of the Black Series. I'm just not into the six-inch scale that much. It just doesn't doesn't have any emotion emotional pull for me you know what i mean that's that's why but i might get it because that's a really nice looking figure and mots yes i am still looking for cyclops <laughs> yeah i still haven't found cyclops he is part of wave three and also what i call wave zero which was the initial release the two packs that uh has lab did right so i i'm i'm surprised that they released cyclops because he's an x-man <laughs> That's true. They have to rebrand so, that, right? So oh, hey, man, that might that might make it collectible, right? That might make it collectible. Might Let, might be. See. I I feel like I'm in trouble again. <laughs> I totally understand why. And yes, it, it, Mots, it does feel sometimes like I'm going to the dark side. 
it does feel that way sometimes. So, but yeah, um, I think these are cool figures and uh, I, I kind of want to recommend them to people because they just look really cool to me. So I, I, that's, that was my segment for collector's corner. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and, and, you know, being, being in the, on the dark side, isn't that bad as Asia said last week, they have cookies. <laughs> they have cookies right? Yeah. But that dark side, I don't want nothing to do with new track. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not going uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Um, well, um, all I pretty much prepared was just all that quantum leap stuff on the front end. Um, so I don't have anything else for collector's corner beyond those comics. Um, and then, um, we did our announcement. Um, I think the last thing that we had up at least, uh, on the teaser was we were going to talk about Chris Pratt as super Mario, which I didn't yes. heard anything about this either. So this is, this is actually breaking news. This was trending. Um, I, I saw that when I was preparing the show, this just came out. This is a variety article, uh, and it is obviously dated today. And, uh, apparently Nintendo had a big event today. And so there were a lot, if you're a Nintendo fan, there was a lot of announcements today. So if you're a Nintendo fan, uh, you need to be getting there on the web and looking at all the cool stuff that they're doing. But this was the big one that was trending. It says, uh, Super Mario Brothers movie lands all-star voice cast. Chris Pratt, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Keegan-Michael Kay, and Seth Rogen, of all people. So it says, talk about a level up. The new animated feature film based on the world of Super Mario Brothers, has bagged an A-list voice cast. It says Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt and Charlie Day have been tapped to play the titillary video game siblings Mario and Luigi, respectively. Two Italian plumbers plunge into a world of foes and fantasy in the beloved Nintendo game series. Anya Taylor-Joy will play Princess Peach, the royal blonde who has inspired millions of Halloween costumes and rap lyrics often found in the clutches of supervillain Bowser, who will be voiced by actor Jack Black. So you can see there's also some other announcements about the rest of the cast. Uh, I do recommend you read this article if you're interested. The movie itself is scheduled to come out December 21st, 2022, and this is going to be a universal film. I think that's kind of interesting, Dave. Did, had you had ever heard about uh, you know, Universal and Nintendo making an alliance? doing some stuff together no i hadn't heard any i hadn't heard anything about this at all i mean i you know i it, i think i've said this before if i haven't let me let me state it um i have played nintendo growing up but i had a sega so i was more of a a sega guy um, oh you're one of but, them huh <laughs> yeah i'm one of them i i had the i had the sega i so i'm i'm more of a you know sonic shinobi you know, like, you know, whatever, uh, that, that was more my kind of thing, but I had friends who, who had Nintendo's who really, really love, like, you know, all the Mario games and everything. My, my biggest exposure actually to, you know, the, the Italian plumber guy was when he was fighting in, uh, you know, the gorilla in, uh, uh, was it Kong? Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. That's the, that's the first appearance of, of Super Mario. That's where Super Mario, that's where Mario comes from. Yeah, I, so that's what I'm saying. I was more of a Sega, a Sega guy. Which let me let me put this out there: the fact that I was a Sega guy helped me land that gig I just finished. By the way, just going to put that out there. We had a good conversation because I used to be a Sega guy. So 
That's interesting. And that's that is interesting because I I know what Dave is talking about, and I, I'm surprised by that because I would have thought those folks were definitely Nintendo people. We're gonna have to talk about that when that NDA is, is over. Yeah, I think yeah. A lot, there's there's some fascinating stories there. People remember that. <laughs> remember that if you if you're around <laughs> here when that NDA expires and we're able to talk about uh, that project that Dave was part of because I'm fascinated by that because I would have totally thought those were Nintendo people not Sega people. Totally. I would have thought that. So what do I know? What do I know? Uh, Gap, Gap, uh, Gap Stargate said, this is fascinating. And I thought it was fascinating as well. Um, and also the business aspect that, that I mentioned at the end there, the fact that Universal is the one that's going to be making this. Because we actually talked about Universal last week. Uh, Universal is making some moves, folks, because they got Chris Nolan and they got Mario and Luigi. So Universal is doing something right, you know, at this point. And we were talking about Universal earlier. We we're talking about Peacock. We we're talking about NBC. So uh, Universal is getting some buzz, folks. They're getting some buzz on this show, and they're getting some buzz, you know, just out there in the in the Twitterverse, out there on the internet right now. They're making some good decisions, I think, over there at Universal. Uh, Asia mentions, he says, sweet, although I love Captain Lou Albino when he was Mario. And I did, too. I, I just like Captain Lou Albino, too. I mean, I thought he was a great character a great wrestler just just a fun personality and the fact that he was mario <laughs> is really kind of fun and interesting and of course that was such a throwback type of thing too you know that you know i'm not sure if you were familiar with that day but that was you know the series where they had the the live segments were, that were basically introducing the animated segments and you know captain lou albano was was part of the live segment so it was very much like a callback to those really old school type of cartoon shows you know what i mean uh, that a lot of people grew up with, like you know bozo the clown or like here locally we had um uh wallace and ladmo and so you know that that's the kind of show that that was the was it like the it was like the super mario brothers super show or something like that with captain lou albino and i always thought those i always thought those live segments were more fun than the cartoon in a lot of ways so uh i have a lot of love for captain lou albino as well asia um Oh yeah, this is interesting now because I was asking that question about you know previous alliances and Asia brings up guys. Universal is adding Super Mario Land to the theme park. I forgot all about that. Did you, did you remember that, Dave? Because I I now vaguely remember that that Universal was doing a like a Super Mario Land. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember hearing about it. I don't think it's something we covered on the show though because. You know, Eric's always talking about he wants to do more video game stuff. And, you know, we try to do kind of do more video game coverage. But um, it's not something I, I feel like that, you know, we're we're always, I guess, more focused on. So but that's interesting. And especially it's interesting, too, how all these things actually affect, like, you know, aspects of the streaming wars, you know. Yeah. And, and how this affects, you know, the you know, the entertainment business as a whole. Um, I remember hearing something about that, but I don't think it's something that we really talked about very much on the show. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about we don't we don't talk about theme parks very much on the show in general. Um, but I, I was aware of this in the back of my head. Um, so good good call there, Asia, because I was I was thinking like, is there a connection already between Nintendo and Universal? And again, you're keeping us honest. We appreciate that. Uh, Gap has to take off. He says, "Great show as always. Good night, guys." And Gap, we really appreciate you being out here. At least, you know, I can say that for myself. I really appreciate when you're out here because you always have good questions. You know, you brought up the X Men thing, and I was like, I wasn't going to bring it up, but some of the audience brings it up. I'll, I'm going to go there. You know what I mean? So I appreciate that. I appreciate your your contribution to the show. 
yes thanks for uh thanks for commenting on the show gap and and being here um that that's what makes the that's what makes this really fun and entertaining for us is when the rogues gallery is you know talking about the topic and asking their own questions you know and coming up with their own insights obviously providing information when we're confused like asia keeping me on point with my my nerd knowledge i greatly appreciate that so but that's a, that's a topic i was aware of but i wasn't going to bring it up on my own you know what i mean so i appreciate yeah. that so <laughs> asia says uh you guys run into my bedtime we're actually we're pretty much i think we're pretty much on the we're pretty much good with wrapping at this point aren't we Dave? yeah yeah i think we're good i think we're good all right, so with that, unless anyone in the Rogues Guy has anything else they want to talk about, I think we're just going to go ahead and go to the outro. So I want to thank you all for hopefully watching or listening to this episode of the Retro Rogues Live. Again, my name is Dave Beatty. I have been one of your hosts. Um, if you're curious to learn more about me or see some of the things that actually occupy my time, uh, I think for tonight I'm going to steer you somewhere different. I'm, I'm going to ask you actually to go look at DaveBeatty.com. That is my main website. Over there, you can find uh, the actual Retro Rogues Live link where you can find the links actually to the YouTube channel. You can also find all the links to all the social media. So if you're curious to see my Instagram, my LinkedIn, my Twitter, my whatever, let me tell you right now, my Twitter, there's not a lot going on there. But if you are on Twitter and you would like to see what I've been posting on Twitter, you can check that out over there. Um, as well as um, there's uh, there's just all kinds of stuff on there. I, I you know. Um, so I'm going to say go check out DaveBeatty.com. So that's D-A-V-B-E-A-T-Y.com, D-A-V-E-B-E-A-T-Y.com. Um, and there actually is a link over there to Oxida Kirby Tees. So if you uh, are wanting to do something fun with the show, you want to you know support what we're doing here, the Retro Rogues Live, please check out the Retro Rogues Live t-shirts and consider purchasing one and supporting what we're doing here. We would greatly appreciate your support. But enough about that. Um, I want to thank, as always, uh, my great co-host, Mr. Eric Alexander, for being on here, as always, providing his unique perspective on all these fun topics we like to talk about here on the show. Eric, please tell the folks, hopefully watching or listening at home, where they can learn more about you on the interwebs. Well, I'm most active on Twitter. You can find me there at BaseGod14. That's at B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4. That's also the official uh, Twitch. That's also the official YouTube so any of those um, those those uh, channels, if you if you make a comment, more likely than not, I'll be the one responding to you. And I do appreciate your comments, and I'd I definitely like to hear from you. So and remember, those my DMs are always open on Twitter. So if you guys have suggestions or stuff you want us to cover in the show, because even as we we start to adjust to the new format, uh, based on our our announcement and the the new content that we're going to be creating uh, live for you on on the show, uh, there will be times that we're we're going to have like lulls where maybe Dave's drawing something or something like that, and we'll be still doing like you know, pop culture news, streaming wars, stuff like that. So uh, we're going to still continue with that stuff. So let me know if there's anything you want us to cover. Uh, Asia says, great show, darlings. We appreciate you, Asia. We appreciate the the, the the good comments that you have and insight and keeping us honest. Uh, that goes for Mots as well. He said, great show. We, we really appreciate the, the, the contributions you make. Jane as well. She says, another great show. And, and we think that you're great because, again, you do contribute so much to the show. And you're, you're so loyal to both of us. We appreciate that. And I do want to go ahead and just give the, uh, the last word to Orville Nation. I do think he took off, PJ. But he says, great news about Quantum Leap, Dave. And with that, we'll go ahead and leave our guests, uh, our special guest, Orville Nation, PJ, the great PJ of Orville Nation. We will leave him with the last word.